Welcome to the Chaffin Church Podcast. My name is Ryan Thompson. I am joined, as always, by pastor extraordinaire and the world's foremost expert on orangutans, Marty Holman. Welcome here, Marty. Well, he's an expert on the noises that they make as well, of course. So, um, I wanted... (laughs) Okay, okay. Uh, so I I'm, may randomly do that throughout this episode. Sure, sure. Let's 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 do that. Uh, so one thing I want to mention: if you were listening two weeks ago, we started off the episode by talking about artichokes, and yesterday at the uh, Chaffin Church weekly cookout we have, I brought a dish that included artichokes, and you know I don't think it was quite as good as the previous version that had sun-dried tomatoes on it, but... Um, it wasn't. It wasn't It wasn't bad. It's just something about sun-dried tomatoes has that extra pizzazz. Yeah. That, yeah. that possibly um, the artichokes did not. <laughs> you forgot artichokes. I forgot, <laughs> I forgot what we were talking about. Yes. Oh, man. Artichokes so, are good. anyways, they were fine. And I had one after the whole party, and you had given me two, and I put the other one in the fridge for my wife. But uh, I enjoyed them. So if you if you have not come to one of the uh, Chaffin Church uh, weekly summer cookouts, uh, anyone can come. Any anyone. Uh, so join us um, every Thursday. Every every Thursday. Where is the next one? In case someone is listening on Sunday, the what would Sunday be? Sunday would be the twenty fifth. If you're listening on Sunday the 25th or up to, well, Thursday the, whatever the Thursday is. 29th. Yes, up to Thursday the 29th. Uh, where, where would the cookout be on Thursday evening of that week? The cookout will be at one of my favorite places in the world to be. And that is at the home of our moderator and her husband, Dave and Amanda Kane. Excellent. And a great place. One of my favorite parties ever was at their house. Wow. That was at their wedding. And it was an outdoor wedding. And they have like a little barn. And so they, they kind of cleared out the barn. And as you know, I like barn. <laughs> <laughs> I like barn. And they had a tent outside the barn. Marty, Marty and I sort of have this, this running joke because he, he loves like, like barn decor. Barn chic, barn decor. Yeah, shabby yes. chic. And I always, I, I, sort of, um, I sort of take that to the extreme when, 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 I, when I poke fun at him and I'm like, well, why don't you just open a Cracker Barrel, you know? And so. <laughs> I, today, would love to go to Cracker Barrel. Cracker Barrel. I love Cracker Barrel. I mean, it's okay. Okay. It's, 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 it's okay. You are a, a, a son of perdition. Like, cheap food that tastes great. You don't get that in New England often. Only. You're right. When you go to Cracker Barrel in Sturbridge or wherever else it is. Anyways, uh, so it is at Dave and Amanda Kane's house in West Boylston. We'll, we'll be announcing the address and all that. So it, it, it's a great, a great place to hang out and be good. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. So uh, today, you know, Marty and I were actually discussing this yesterday and, um, you know, we... We try to think up our topic of what, what we're going to talk about in, in the podcast episode ahead of time. But uh, th- this, this past week, we've been thinking about, you know, what we're going to talk about. And uh, we actually thought, you know, putting, putting just a little, little pinch of just sort of, um, you know, off-the-cuff spontaneity kind of... Um, you know, that kind of thing is, is what we, we wanted to do. So what I have done here is I have come up with three quotes. I, no, I have, I have not come up with them. I, I have found three found quotes, them. rather, um, that we are going to use today. And what we're going to do is we're going to do three 15-minute hot takes on these quotes. So, okay, before we do that, okay, there's a few things I need to say. Okay. And unfortunately, they don't have anything to do with the quotes. Because okay. I, ha- I haven't even seen the quotes. Okay. I'm sure they're going to be great. 
But yesterday, I got a text message from Linda Markarian, who avidly, or I should just say Linda, who, who lives in Virginia and who avidly listens to this podcast. And she said this, Hi Marty, I just listened to your podcast. Ryan is my hero and I'm leaving Facebook. <laughs> right? Like, how awesome is that? Yeah. She made that decision. Uh, if you haven't seen the episode, it's episode... 16 called social media ate my parents uh, the other thing i need to say is i need to give an update on my own situation yes, So here's what please. i did here's what i did i ended up buying a cheaper phone and i bought a new apple watch and pretty much i don't have my phone on or around uh, i do have it on here because i wanted to read this i, I could have just but i i haven't had my phone I've been using my watch and haven't really been flipping at all, and I love it. And that's the way yeah. to go. Stay away from social media. Thank you, Ryan, for your knowledge in that. That's really interesting, and though. Like, you've been, you've been tackling it. See, I tackled it from the social media end and kept my phone. You tackled it from the phone end and kept social media. So it's just like, it's really interesting. Yeah, uh, well, yeah. I, I didn't keep social media on my phone. Okay, so you got rid of the apps. I got rid of the apps. Facebook and Twitter are not on this phone right now. Wow. And uh, the third thing I want to say, and then we'll get to the quotes, is that if I have watery eyes or I yawn, it's not because you're boring. <laughs> but I had a rough night of sleep last night. Uh, uh. My four-year-old son was up and... Uh, he didn't want to allow me to sleep during a port. And I, and I foolishly stayed and, and stayed up reading for a long time until like 12.30. I have to get up at 5.45. And then at 2.30, my son woke up and wanted to get into our bed. To which I said no, or Carrie said no, whichever one of us, I couldn't. <laughs> and then he got really mad and screamed throughout the whole house. So I was up for a while. So that's my story, and I apologize, dear listener and, and Ryan, for uh, any yawning or watery eyes I might produce today. Totally, totally fine. Hopefully, as long as we don't get any yawns from our dear listeners and viewers. Correct. And that, that I think we'll, we can forgive you for that. Stay wild, stay beautiful, stay awesome. I like that. Wherever that came from is a good place. I hope, I hope we get more of that today. Came from my heart. Here All we right. go. All right. Came from tired Marty's heart. Uh, <laughs> so um, let's, let's dive into the quotes here. Okay. So, so I have um, three quotes. Which, uh, so, okay. So I have three and they progressively get deeper and deeper. Which one would you like to start with first? I would like to start with the light and fluffy one and finish with a deep and, and heavy one. Okay. All right. Then we, well, I mean, I'm feeling light and fluffy right now. None of them are truly light and fluffy, but I'll start with the lightest and fluffiest one okay. that I have. Okay. All right. So the first one, it is better to be occasionally cheated than perpetually suspicious. And this, this quote comes from some, we don't know who the quote comes, or I don't know who the quote comes from. If you know who the quote comes from, great, but uh, this is an unknown quote. Um, so I'll say it again. It is better to be occasionally cheated than perpetually suspicious. What an interesting quote. I don't even know if I like it. Because one of them is something that happens to you. And one, is, one of them is something that you do. Right there, so there. Yes, that's definitely that's definitely so part of it. it. It's a it's problematic to say whether or not that's true in the first place because okay, it's better for to be occasionally cheated, cheated okay. than to be perpetually suspicious. Okay, and the actual definition. I know I throw it in there for adverbial. Um, Perpetually thought. is like forever. Regularly. Yeah, regularly. Occasionally cheated. So it's basically an issue of trust. 
Yes, and this is why I actually brought it up because I, you know, I, and I wanted to hear your take on it because I've actually heard Mardi preach on this uh, before. Yeah. And um, one, one of the things that you've said, in particularly in relation to marriages, is, um, you know, kind of like the happiest marriages in the world, uh, people really work very hard to give each other the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, you know? oh yeah. So, and almost, almost to a fault. No, no, actually to, to a fault. To a fault. Like literally people, people trust each other um, uh, almost, almost too much. And, and those, are, those are sort of the happiest marriages. And yes. I, when, so when I see this quote, you know, it's better to be occasionally cheated than perpetually suspicious. I actually think just as a general life philosophy, that, that just sort of makes sense with with all yeah. of your friendships yeah. all of your relationships right like is that is am i am i honoring Ooh. what you have said in the past is that right yeah or? i mean i think i i took it from the philosophy that my dear mentor who i've never i've talked to once actually andy stanley said uh give each give the benefit of the doubt or assume the best believe the best don't assume the worst and mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that is so important in every relationship. And most people, their default is suspicious, especially, I mean, we watch enough TV, we watch enough, um, you know, this is what TV and movies are built on. Right. Right. Our entertainment is built. If you watch drama, you understand that uh, the, the things that you're watching are built on suspicion. Right. They're built on mistrust. And so, obviously, then we ask ourselves, okay, do I want to live my life that way? Or, for, or worse, we don't ask ourselves that. We just, our default moves toward that suspicion because we saw somebody cheat on TV, certainly it's going to happen to us, or worse yet, it happened to a family member or, or or so on and so forth, and so or it happened to us, you know, or it, it happened, happened to directly us. to us. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. That's that's the hardest one. If you are are cheated at some point, yeah. just or, or if somebody hurts you, right? I think it, it can be really hard to to like to trust again. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Well, like like in in your previous church situation, right? Okay, you know, and, yeah. and that whole that whole thing, you know, we and we've we've discussed this on the podcast yep. before. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it must have been hard to to get back to uh, you know that that healthy place of oh, I can I can trust my leaders, I can trust my congregation, yeah. I can trust you know. I'll let you know when I get there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's amazing about that is in the church context is that we uh, we've come to a place in the world where almost everyone at this point has been burned by church i mean yeah. attendance is dropping off i mean people so people are just stop not going to church and the truth is that there's not a lot uh, there's not a lot there's not a lot of ways we can defend the church because the truth yeah there there are a lot of uh people that have done damage Probably myself included, others included. I mean, it's all over the place. However, can you bookmark that idea? Because because one of the other these other quotes is okay. just bookmark that idea. Yeah, that's great. If you can, ultimately, I think this is true. We if you can begin to trust people, even on the other side of hurt, mm. it's just healthy. I mean, that's probably what psychologists and therapists do. That's what they work on. They work on you can trust. You can trust. And, and what about what about caveats to that? Like like what what uh, yeah? What about when like when a person actually is toxic in the long run, right? Like what what are the caveats to that? I mean, I think there are boundaries. The boundaries, right? I so you 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 allow people into your life. And at the same time, you hold up boundaries, and then you give them permission to unpeel those boundaries. I use that unpeel. Mm. I, that, you know, boundaries, I don't think, are walls all the time. 
maybe they're walls for narcissists and for people who are way out there who have no who have major boundary issues. But I think probably a better way to look at boundaries are like a peel. Like a like you put up and say don't come don't come through here. If you if you love me, you won't come through here. And then over time, you can peel those off uh, with permission. Right. And then I, I think there's also this other element of trust. There's like there's like artificial trust, right? Where where we want somebody to to be better, and so we construct this narrative in our minds that this that this person, let's say, that we're dating, because it happens a lot in dating. We construct this narrative in our mind where this person is this great, wonderful person and like every all of our friends are like oh no 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 like what do you no you're an idiot like what do you no absolutely not this person is is awful you know like we've all we've all dated that person before right like that our friends don't like and that you know whatever and so yeah, yeah, yeah. um i think i think that's sort of the other the other side of that too right where we we project trust onto an attribute that a person doesn't really have because we are we want them to have that attribute that's really good and, and, and an important point. I, other, other people speaking into our lives is an important permission giver, right? Like, right. Like people that have been there that like when they say you need, really need to watch out for that person, then you really need to watch out for that person. I mean, it just it makes sense. And I think that the thing about the thing about trust is. And here's the hardest thing. Here's the most mature we could be. Hmm. Jesus ate at a table, probably a little bit longer than this, with the one who was going to betray him, right? And presumably washed his feet. Mm -hmm. And with the knowledge that that person was going to betray him, or deny, not betray him. And how crazy is that? Like, yeah. That's like mature, deep stuff that most of us don't want to, I don't really want to get into. Like, like yeah. it's not where I'm at, but maybe there will come a time where I'll be called and, to. And he sacrifice. still allows Judas to, to run their money, right? He's, he's, still, yeah. he's still the financial guy. And then like after that, you got, you got Peter. He knows Peter's going to deny him. He knows all things, right? Yeah. So, so then, but he trusts Peter to, to, to run the church. He, he's believing the best about Peter. Oh, come even on. Even though he sees all of his flaws, you know, and, and so it's, it's, uh, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. So. Cool. So that's our hot take on that one. I mean, I don't think that Road was quite one. 15 minutes, but, uh, but, but I think that works. It was I good. That works. It was powerful. Yeah. So, uh, okay. Well, let's, let's go to the next one, which actually related to something that you said here. And I, I think this is going to, you're, you're going to laugh at this. So, he who first invented the notion of defending Christianity is de facto Judas number two. He also betrays with a kiss. Only his treachery is that of stupidity. And that is by Soren Kierkegaard, who's one of my favorite uh, Christian philosophers. Wow. I'm just going to read that again because yeah, there's yeah, a lot in there. Deep. He who first invented the notion of defending Christianity is de facto Judas number two. He also betrays with a kiss. Only his treachery is that of stupidity. And again, that's Soren Kierkegaard. Wow, I mean, I'm, uh, I'm trying to find it online so I can... Um, it's, it's powerful. Yeah, yeah. So what do you, what do you think, initial thoughts? Read it one more time for yeah, me yeah. and for our audience. He who first invented the notion of defending Christianity is de facto, and I'm just, really quick, I'm going to stop and define de facto. De facto okay. means of fact. So um, if you're in a de facto state of war with another country, that means you may have not declared war yet, but, yep. you know, you guys are already fighting, so you're in a de facto state of war. Yep. The facts tell you that you're in a state of war even if you yep. haven't declared it yet. So when he says de facto Judas number two, the facts have led to the conclusion that you are Judas number two. So he who first invented the notion of defending Christianity is de facto Judas number two. 
he also betrays with a kiss. Only his treachery is that of stupidity. It's powerful. I almost think like ju even just the, the first half of that, he who first invented the notion of defending Christianity is de facto Judas number two. We could unpack that. Alone. So I have always had a lot of difficulty, even though, so initially when I, you know, when I was in my, maybe my early twenties, I first heard about the idea of not first, but I first really got into the idea of apologetics. Mm, yeah. Right? And over time, I began to really think poorly of the idea in general. <laughs> like, wait a minute. Jesus didn't defend anything he did. Mm. So why are we taking the time to defend? And it seems like the more that apologetics and the more defense of what we believe gets out there, the more vile is poured on the likes of those of the Christians as a whole. So I would say Kierkegaard is spot on in terms of this. It, like, it is very, very... I mean, Judas, that seems, Judas number two seems pretty intense. But yeah, you're basically destroying, not destroying Christ per se, but you're destroying, you're hurting Christianity. You're hurting the Christian witness by defense, by your defense. Wow. Right, right. And and so now, now Kierkegaard, again, so he, this is a, 19th century Danish philosopher. Right? Yes. So it's really interesting how quickly he comes to this idea because this is like 150 years ago. He's talking about this stuff. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's almost like I, I, I have found as well the same that you have. Like, it's almost like if you had um, some yogurt in your hand and you're like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm gonna press this yogurt in my fist, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna press it down. You know, but you can't. The yogurt is just gonna come through your feet. You know, the tighter you grip, the more it's gonna slip through your fingers. You know, I and I feel like that's what happens a lot of the time when, when, like, those those debate stages, right? That that you you, you get up on in, in high school if you're on the debate team or whatever. Like, that's not real life. You know, nothing, nothing is that artificial and um, yeah. devoid of a person's culture and beliefs. Because remember, in most debates, you are assigned your side, like, beforehand. You may not even agree with it a lot of the time, you know. And so, um, <coughs> so I just think, like, if, if Christianity is, is a viable option to begin with, right, like if this idea of following Jesus works, yes. then it has to be able to stand on its own. It has to yeah. stand up to scrutiny when a person looks at it on their own. Yeah. You know? Two thoughts I have on this. Kierkegaard believed that um, Christianity, if it was the same I'm thinking of, wasn't necessarily a doctrine to be taught, right? Like mm -hmm. I could teach you this doctrine. Right. Um, but it was a, a life to be lived. Oh, right? yes. Like, like yeah. that, that's kind of where he was coming from. And I, I look at our Savior, right? And there were systems in place on Jewish thought. And those systems were all well laid out. I mean, the systems built up these, um, built up these large... Um, systematic rituals, whether it was sacrifices, right. temple living. I mean, and there's nothing wrong with symbols, but when those things get, come down to systems, Jesus clearly not only called them out, but also forced them out in certain situations. Right. But then he moved past that, moved past staying in that area, and he went out and lived his life. And that's such a powerful idea that 
we can live our lives of Christianity. Uh, that and, and really, we in church, right? The temptation, and I've been thinking about this in the last few weeks, the temptation is to get people to come to your church, is to do your thing. Like, oh, come, come be a part of my thing. When really the church should be called to push out mm-hmm. and, and to teach instead of doctrine, hey, how do we live this life out together, both in community and individually? Right. And to me, that's so such a powerful thing when we can, when we can, not defend our faith, but may, maybe offend with our faith, not by our words, but our, our actions. I think of Martin Luther King Jr., who stood. Um, who stood and gave his life for, yes, his words were offensive, um, because sometimes justice, the words of justice are offensive, but, um, you know, calling people to, to vie for justice and, mer- and mercy, right? right? And these are obviously clearly Christian things. And so, to me, that's a way more important than defending particular systematic theologies. And it always has been. I've never really I've never really liked the idea of systematic theology, although it has been big in America in the last right. several hundred years. Right. But it almost begs the question like what what is Christianity, right? Like it's not it's not just this collection of ideas, right? And and that's a that's a part of it, you know. Yeah. But Christianity is is a movement, right? It's a movement that is spoked, I think that's the best word, not spoken, but spoked um, with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ that allows us then to be a new creation and to usher in God's kingdom. Yeah. Exactly. It's a, Christianity is a catalyst, not an end game. Mm. Mm. That may be heretical to some. I. It's okay if it is, that, um, but it's it's kind of where a lot of my current mentors have brought me, like N.T. Wright and and, and others. But uh, it can feel good, right? It or especially when we're young in our faith, you know. Mm-hmm. To um, and I think Soren Kierkegaard gets into this. He says he also betrays with a kiss, right? It feels good. Yeah. To to defend Christianity, you yeah. know, especially when you're first a Christian, you know, you're 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 so passionate about your relationship with God and everything. A lot of times, and um, yeah, how how do we how do we resist that temptation when when someone who who is you know struggling along with their faith, you know, says something like like even something basic, like hey, there there's no God. Anyone believes that it's just foolish, you know. Like, how do we resist being like, well, actually, you know, in the Bible it says, you know, only in a fool's heart it says there is no God, right? Like, how do we, how do we resist that, you know? Uh, I think perhaps a better, and I don't know if it's a better analogy, but maybe a different analogy can be found in John 18. And uh, when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. Hmm. And Judas has done his betraying. And Peter draws his sword and slashes off the right ear of the the high priest's slave, Malchus. Mm. And Jesus says to Peter, put your sword back into its sheath. Shall I not drink from the cup of suffering the Father has given me? And... I think there, it's not just Judas, but it's also Peter, right? Many of us desire to fight. I do. Uh, I really, for, to fight for our um, Christianity. To fight for... But it's not really... Like I've thought about this for a while. Like, there's been a big debate 
over whether certain people can say things from a pulpit, whether those things should be 501c3 protected in mm. terms of taxes, right? Yeah. And I've taught the gospel and preached the gospel, and I don't think I've ever come close to saying something that has that would offend or take away the government's right right now something could change right however in our current situation all the government typically is saying is don't be a jerk and don't be hate-filled in your speech to other people and there's clearly a line from what some pastors are preaching about, let's say, uh, the LGBTQ community. Mm. Um, and there are times that people are, there are pastors that say things that have been completely hate-filled. I have a right, I have, I'll teach the Bible. I've heard some of those pastors preach from a pulpit. And what they take what the Bible might say, literally, okay, so, so there's that. And then they say, they go off on these, all of these other things. And anyways, I just think the, the desire to, to feel big and strong and powerful is human and not Christian. Mm. It's natural and not supernatural. The supernatural thing is to lay down our rights, is to essentially do what Paul said and said, I'm a slave for the gospel. Yeah, I clearly, I mean, the church has been obsessed with winning and victory, um, wrong kind of victory, yeah, you yeah. Know, uh, for, for a long, long time. And clearly, you know, Kierkegaard lived in, in, in a Western nation, mm -hmm. you know, Western European nation in Denmark. And, um, so clearly, yeah, that, that's been around for a, a very long time. Yeah. Uh, for sure. For sure. So I think, I think we, that's enough for that hot take. I mean, clear, but that quote, um, that's one of my favorite quotes actually, because whenever I want to, you know, respond to, you know, a Facebook post or, you know, a friend is talking to me about how they're, they're struggling with this idea or I have, I have many atheist friends and um you know when they talk to me about what they think about christianity you know and and occasionally you know i i get the the idea in my head i'm like oh i need to i need to act on it and then and then i'm like you know what no i'm gonna i'm gonna let this person wrestle with this idea i'll explore that with them i'm not hmm. gonna you know like if they say hey all churches are evil i'm not gonna like not ask them right. like well what do you mean by that what what's been your experience that has led you to believe you know we can unpack things but i don't need to be like hey you're wrong bro like like what what's what why are you saying that you know like we don't, we don't have to uh go there well so. i i do think that one of the problems with christian christians not viewing christianity as a catalyst but viewing it as a like an end game is then, or even you know, viewing apologetic, having to defend everything, then people like atheists, right? Then they are forced to play that game and mm. do, right? And Jesus, Jesus wasn't having a ton of conversations with a ton of doubters, or at least he didn't talk about it in scripture. He was having these intense conversations with the spiritual people of the day. And I think that is an, just a really important point that he wasn't asking us to lambast people who were sick. Like, right. Right? Like, right. like people who needed a doctor. And, uh, and I don't, I don't mean, mean to say that to meaningly, like you're sick, right? Like, right. I, I mean that generally in a spiritual way. Um, I believe that when people are living out their natural urges, it can easily become dysfunctional. That's for Christians too. Like we can, if we live out, and this is the, if we live out our urges to fight back, to prove them wrong, to win, 
that is someone who is sick. And mm -hmm. Jesus called us beyond that. Yes. Boom! That is a hot, I win! That is a hot take. <laughs> um, okay, well, that sort of leads us into our, our third quote here. And I, I'm, I'm, it's actually interesting how all these ideas are, are sort of relating to one another here. Okay. All right. I believe that the Bible does not model a faith that depends on certainty for the simple fact that the Bible does not provide that kind of certainty. Rather, in all of its messy certainty, the Bible promotes trust in God. I'm going to read that one more time. I believe that the Bible does not model a faith that depends on certainty, for the simple fact that the Bible does not provide that kind of certainty. Rather, in all of its messy certainty, the Bible promotes trust in God. And that quote is by Peter Enns, one of my, one of my favorite uh, theologians these days. Yeah. I, I, I think he's, he's, Peter is spot on. We are Facebook friends. I know you are not Facebook friends with him, but I am. No. Um, it, are you actually Facebook friends with Peter? Yeah, I think, I think we became Facebook friends um, through Seth, our good friend Seth. Oh, that's right. right. That is where I encountered him, actually, now that I'm thinking I'm like... Yeah. I, I, sometimes I don't remember where I encounter uh, ideas or authors, but yes, that is where I encountered it. Yeah, I mean, the idea of certainty is a modern, highly modern thought process, right? We can know everything. It's the Enlightenment. We can, you know, and so, you know, that's when you get into literalism in mm -hmm. Scripture. What is literalism? What, what is that? When you take the Bible literally. And then you have to decide which parts you're actually going to take literally, <laughs> which parts you're not. Marty and I routinely sort of make fun of this idea. So if you are taking the scriptures literally, we would ask you, you know, if you said, hey, I'm, I, oh, I take the scriptures literally, we would ask you, okay, so when it says David, you know, um, uh, took, took a bath in his tears, you know, do you really believe David was able to cry enough to fill a bathtub up with his tears? Yes or no? Okay, you say no. Okay, now you have just interpreted the scripture in a non-literal way. So right. you are no longer reading the scriptures literally. Sorry, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know. And there are pl there's plenty of um, metaphors, and, right? Right, and, and and all that, and similes in scripture and analogies, uh, poems. And it's funny what in, in our Western world what we chose to... Like, I believe wholeheartedly that the creation story is a biblical poem. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, yeah. at this point, it's kind of hard not to believe that. Like, do you honestly believe that the ancient Israelites were ready for or even, or even wanted a scientific explanation of how exactly how the yeah. earth was created? No, clearly not. Yeah. So, and, and so, now the hard thing about this, and we just talk about certainty versus trust, because I think certainty is actually the opposite of trust, right? So we've built a system mm -hmm. in our modern world of, that directly opposes trust in God, and we've said, this is how you trust in God. Um, but I think that trust comes I actually get excited in some way when I hear that America is no longer becoming a Christian nation. Hmm. It's no longer a Christian nation. Not because, I mean, it sounds weird to even say that out loud, but, um, and I guess getting excited is, I guess I feel challenged a little bit because I feel like we've taken the spirit out of Christianity, and I grew up in a world, and have continued in some ways to grow up in a world where I've I've given certainty instead of trust. And I don't, mm. you know, I don't know what that might look like. I think this is going back to the first quote: when you believe in something, it you don't need. Going back to the second quote. You don't need to have 
18 different reasons why you're right and they're wrong. You just believe something and then out of that emanates in what we believe is the Spirit of God to give you the fruits that allow the world to be changed and to become, you are a new creation. And so that looks way different. That doesn't mean we don't talk about it, right? It right, doesn't mean right. we, don't, we don't talk about it and preach about it and give good news. And it doesn't even mean it's always about, what's that dude's name in tech? Joel Osteen. Like everything's like, hey, how are you? Yeah, there's some prosperity stuff there that I don't think is, is gospel. But um, yeah, I, I think to live life in a world of uncertainty is certainly nerve-wracking. But that's, that's the scriptures. Mm. Yeah. Like their stories were so big and crazy and they stepped out of their little safe like lives to live bigger lives, to live trust lives. And, and right. Um, yeah, I, I completely I, th- I think I think to to be to trust in God, it actually takes us completely off of the certainty versus um uncertainty scale like you are no there there is no longer you're no longer even on the same that's not even the same category like yeah and so um actually when i was in seminary one of my professors told me a story of these these two rabbis so one was um and this story he 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 got it from someone else i think it was a third rabbi but i can't totally remember but basically both rabbis died recently and so uh the first rabbi brought all of his um his disciples and his family into the to the room where he was on his deathbed and he he lifted up his hand he lifted up both his hands and he said hey i want you to look at these hands everyone's looking at his hands and he's like neither of these hands have touched sin so you know i'm i'm gonna go to be with god now you know I've, i've been i've been a good and righteous man and he died and then there was a second rabbi who died around the same time. And so he brought all of his uh, disciples and his family in. And he said, um, oh, my goodness, like, I, I, I didn't do this. I didn't capitalize on this. And, you know, I really, you know, mucked up this situation. It was awful. I just, I didn't do the right thing. And uh, I, I, I just feel horrible about that. And you know what? I just, I'm starting to think about this and I think, I think God is going to smite me. Like when I die, I just, you know, this, this isn't going to, this isn't going to end well for me. And like, I just, I didn't do enough good. And, and then, and then he died, you know? And so, and my professor was, was kind of talking about, you know, our, our, our trust in God, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Needs to be somewhere between these two rabbis, right? Mm. Like we can't. We can't, um, you know, because the, the first guy, right, with his hands, he's, he's, my hands are clean, right? I mean, part of that is he's, he's saying he's trusting in God, but really he's sort of trusting in himself more than, mm-hmm. than God, right? He's, my hands, you know, these hands have not touched sin. And, yeah, and, yeah. Um, and but, but see, he's off the trust scale because he's certain. Right. There is no trust there. He's just certain, yep. you know? And then, but then this other guy, right? Um, maybe he's, he has tried to trust God, but, but he is uncertain. He's also off the trust scale, you know, Mm. like he is just uncertain, doesn't, you know, and he's just like kind of awash in the waves of fear that came along with him for what was going to happen with him and God, you know, when he died. And so, um, I think like, like what Peter ends says here, you know, the, the Bible you know, he believes the Bible does not model a faith that depends on certainty for the simple fact that the Bible does not provide that kind of certainty, you know? And so um, just getting off of that certainty scale and getting, getting over to uh, trust, actually trusting in God. I think it's, it's, a, it's a hard thing to do, you know? Like, because I think a lot of people, they, they want on some level to come into a church and maybe maybe or maybe not take part in an altar call but mm-hmm. essentially it boils down to assenting to these ideas to to saying i this is what i believe and then they never want to touch it again mm. because okay i i said i believe this i'm good 
Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. That's not that's not trust. That's you you're just you're just checking a box, right? And so um, <laughs> it's it's not it's not a principle of certainty that we're after as Christians. It's right. it's the principle of of trust. So what is something you have done that you would say this is me acting on trusting God? Well, the, one of the big things is, um, and, and you, you, were, you were there, uh, especially early on in my friendship with you, I was pretty systematic in my theology. You know, I, okay. I, had, these, I had these strong beliefs about what it meant to be a Christian um, that, that were very, very, you know, theological. And, and by the way, if, if you're wondering, you know, what makes a theology systematic, essentially it's like the theologies they rely on one another and some of them are not directly um in the bible but we infer them you know based on other truths and yeah. we sort of fill in the gaps but the problem is with most systematic theologies is that it's sort of built like a brick wall you know yeah and you pull a brick out and then half the thing falls down because you know it's not designed to have a brick pulled out you can't right. you can't even take you can't even pull a brick out and examine it right like, it's like spiritual jenga exactly exactly so it's it's pretty horrible in in terms of of that um and one so and i've been reading a book you know um back in the day uh, um by one of my favorite theologians his name is rob bell and he was talking about the virgin birth now i believe in the virgin birth i think that's a reality but Rob Bell, he, he said, he's like, I believe in the virgin birth too, but like, what if, what if there was some like archeological evidence unearthed that um, Je you know, it was not immaculate conception, that Jesus was fathered by some dude named Larry, right? <laughs> so what do you, what do you, now that, for a lot of people that's sacrilege. And if you're, if you're thinking that as you're hearing this and you're cringing, I'm sorry. I cringed too when I was reading it. I literally was like, you know, gritting yeah, my teeth I'm as I was reading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were probably doing the same thing, right? And so, but I had to think. I I started to think about things that way. Like, like, can I pull this brick out and examine it? And if I pull it out to examine it, does the rest of my faith fall apart? That was a huge thing of trust for me. Um, go get you know getting getting away from these very very particular theological ideas yeah um, and trusting God with that with that journey you know yeah um, that was that was that was huge you know and, and of course there there are other more like like obvious ones you know like sometimes you believe God is telling you to, to, to move across the country or mm, to yeah. start a new career, even if it pays less because you believe more in what it does. You know, there are yeah. so many examples. But, but for me, that was, that was a really big thing because I had, I had built this up in my mind and, uh, and I, had, I had those ideas kind of uh, front and center. Mm, how about you? It's good. Wow. So uh, it, I like to change for... For these types of things, I like to follow after what, what I believe God um, wants in a scenario, and you know one of the things uh, we we'll bring up is the move that we made from Fellowship to Showcase North. That was a big I mean, one. It was a huge step. We and had, once again, we did not know it was you know if it was going to work. Right, and we and and on this side of things, right, it's interesting. Watch, thinking about, you know, like we did a community dinner. We were talking about the community dinners right. yesterday. We used to do community dinners, yeah, right, cookouts. And there would be upwards of 75, 90, 100 people in some of those. And yesterday, you know, we're at a, we're at a smaller church. We're, we're kind of building something up here, a different scenario. Um, but all of those people are somewhere. Mm. Right? Those aren't my people. Right? I don't mean that in like, a, those aren't my people. I mean that in a, people are gods. They're not my people. Even the people that go to this church are not my people. So like, G O D apostrophe S. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yes. They are gods. <laughs> um, and, and so 
really, what, even that for a pastor is trust, right? Mm. How many people I come to a church, coming to my church on Sunday? That's not trust. That's systematic. That's so for you, it's like it's like trusting trusting God with your flock as as a pastor, right? right? Trusting yeah. God with the flock, um, and um, you know another thing that that we did that has been a huge trust thing is is we move or we not moved um, we adopted two kids, Oof, right? That's a big one, and yeah. it's huge, especially as they get older, and we I begin to see the differences. In how they react to me than the other two, than yeah. the, my twins. Right. And it's two totally different things. Now, you know, eventually those, they're kids, so they could all switch and. Right. And it, but for now, it, like, it looks like a big heaping pile of trust. Um, oh, and, and so, but they're precious and wonderful, and I believe that God used my wife in that scenario to. Uh, help spur me on to have a soft heart for others who are not in my particular family, right? Mm. And so those are some instances. Um, my time coming here, mm. I had a job offer with um, a lot more pay, uh, <laughs> uh, which was full time in this town. It's the same same distance from my house and everything, and so. I just felt like this is where God wanted me and my family and those who are around me. Um, and I've, I haven't regretted that since. There have been times when I wanted to punch somebody in the face, but it was never you. <laughs> and um, so those are some times. And, and it is just, it's hard because we're not always seeing blind people see. Mm. We're not always seeing the dead rise. Right. But there are things that are happening and I even think I am I'm even believing that as I put away social media that I'll begin to see my trust grow mm. as a result of that decision. Yeah, well that that's that's I mean it's sort of like the whole farming analogy we see in the Bible hundreds of times right like yeah. you know not every day is the harvest right when, right. when you're farming yes. it's 364 days of the year are just hard back-breaking labor and and a lot of those days you don't even know if you know we don't know what the weather is going to bring or what right and farmers today even with our modern farming techniques we're still at the mercy of the weather right so it's it's very um I'm sorry, yeah. farmers, this year, that's for sure. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, <laughs> that's a whole other thing. But if you could, so if you could wrap up, um, what, do you, what do you think, so the, the three quotes, what do you, what is, if, if one thing could tie them all together, what do you think it is? I think building your life on a foundation of trust is a powerful, powerful thing. Now, trusting every person and God with everything you can to the amount appropriate. So in other words, God, you can trust with your whole life. Mm. Believe that. Yeah. I believe that. If you're if you're if you're a Christian, go after that. Um, not what somebody says. You should trust. In other words, I we didn't ask you to throw away your social media in a fire like they used to with teen groups in the '70s with their music, right? Mm -hmm. That that's not trust. That is obedience to a youth pastor or a pastor, right? Follow after God with everything and when he leads you and when he guides you and when you kind of come to that realization that he's doing that, you can trust that's going to be good. Hard, but good. Um, humans, you will live a more joy-filled, peace-filled life when you trust the people around you as much as they allow you to. 
doesn't mean you trust everyone with everything right. all the time, right? People are hurt, people abuse. So when those things happen, you do something functional and put up those boundaries we talked about. Um, but I think just living that life of trust is, is a powerful, powerful thing and really trying to understand what trust is. It's so weird, like that, so good, so good. And I did not, I was not like picking these, I pick, and they weren't totally at random, but I, I was like, I have this list of quotes that I, when I see them in books or even online or whatever, I just yeah. pull them into, I have this big, long Evernote, it's huge, but wow. um, I just pulled three, I'm like, oh, this would be cool to talk about, this would be cool to talk about, and like, I wasn't thinking like, oh, there's trust in two of these, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you three know, of whatever. these, yeah, well, I think there's trust, yeah. So, yeah, so, so I just want to kind of capitalize one, one thing that Peter ends actually said, so that third quote, yep. um, the second half of the quote, the term that I, I love that he uses um, throughout his, his, his book, I forget what it's called right now, um, is messy certainty. That's, that's sort of like hmm. what he says, the, the Bible provides sort of, it doesn't provide, you know, certainty, it's not entirely unclear. So provides this like messy certainty, and I think, and I think um, much of the time that is the the feeling evoked when when we we know we have to trust someone for something to be healthy, trust someone or something uh, for our lives to be healthy. We have to have this sense of um, messy certainty. Mm. I don't have all the details, right? But you know what? I'm pretty sure this is right. You know, and I'm I'm gonna. I'm gonna do this because I trust, you know. Yeah. Rick McKinley called that the beautiful mess. The beautiful mess. I like that too. I like that mess. too. Just those two, those two messy certainty, beautiful mess. I like when there's two, two words kind of juxtaposed next to each other. Yeah. So, uh, so that that's our hot takes for today. Um, do we have any announcements or, or anything like that? You know, we're coming up on. Uh, don't forget the Canes the community cookout. That is this Thursday. If you're well, this Thursday. If you're listening to this, yeah, the week of the twenty fifth or sixth, depending on which day you start your week. Yeah, uh, and then a couple announcements for the ladies. Shine Conference is the 9th to the 11th of September. You can go to shineconference.com or you can find it at chaffin.church, uh, the site to register. But make sure you do that. We'll probably also have a sign. We'll have a sign up sheet at church on Sundays as well. But you can also make sure to do that at chaffin.church. Also, on August 15th, which, by the way, is a week before my birthday, I've decided it's going to be a big month-long celebration. Let's do it. I just decided that recently. Um, August 15th is a ladies' board game night here at 155 Shrewsbury Street. And there's going to be lots of good times. Uh, that cost, and there's going to be pizza and a few other special things, is going to be $10. You can uh, register for that also at chaffin.church, August 15th at 6 o'clock p.m. It's a Sunday, Sunday night. So we're essentially creating a Sunday night service, Ryan. I, I'm excited about this. Yeah, let's do it. So husbands, get your wives there. Get your wives there, husbands. And uh, beyond that, don't forget that you can give... Uh, to Chaffin Church, and we're thankful for those of you who call Chaffin Church your home. You can give at um, chaffin.church slash giving, or you can text any dollar amount to uh, hashtag, is it pound? Or hash no, there is no hashtag. It's oh. just 84321. 4321. Or you can uh, also send any um, giving to... 155 Shrewsbury Street, Holden, Massachusetts, 01520. And we would love it. If you enjoyed this podcast and enjoy Ryan and I's banter um, and conversation and anyone else who may be here, uh, we would love it. If you could get on, subscribe at Apple Podcasts or Spotify or YouTube or even chaffin.church and give us a rating or uh, or subscribe to it. We love that. If you could be a part, we we uh, always love to continue the conversation throughout the week. Look at that! Twenty seconds to go. Also, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna throw this in. All right, guys, have an seconds. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Let's, uh, if you have any questions that you might like us to answer on a future episode of the podcast, why don't you go ahead and oh, message us uh, those. You can send those to uh, chaffinchurch155 at gmail.com yeah. or uh, you, can, you can comment them on uh, YouTube or anything. Um, they don't necessarily have to be super theological questions like, you know, questions for a pastor, but they could be, um, yeah, any, any sort of cultural questions as well. But we'll, we'll take anything you got. Can't guarantee you we'll answer it on the podcast, but uh, we'd like to see the questions you have. Yeah, thanks so much. And uh, this has been good news. Now go. Give some out.